When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we shoe the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and we are sat around the table reflecting and cheering a victory. The Blues are through to the next round of the League Cup after a, a thrilling, eventful evening at Sinsil Bank. The Blues coming from behind to defeat Lincoln 4-2. Um, and so that's where we will kick off today's pod and then the various talking points from that game. And, and Adam, you were down there last night with Sam. Mm-hmm. Um it's a thoroughly entertaining game, perhaps not the uh, the easiest one to be there live and, and report on. But what was your overriding feeling as you were travelling back home last night about the performance and the feel of uh, of the evening? Um, I felt like it was made much more nervy than it needed to be. Mm. I think, uh, you know, conceding a goal inside, what was it, 20, 21 20, seconds. 20 seconds? Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, But I think Everton actually responded quite well to going behind so early on. And I think for, for the majority of the game, Everton dominated. I think what was particularly like good for me to see on a personal level was how well Everton looked going forward. I mean, I know it's, you know, a low league opposition, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, your expectation is as soon as they take the lead, they're going to just put two banks of four up in front of their goal and just go, all right, break us down. Mm. And in the past, Everton have struggled to do that against teams who do that. So it was really nice to see some... Really nice interchange between the likes of Iwobi, Richarlison, uh, Moise Keane, I thought, looked really, really good. So unlucky not to get on the score sheet himself, particularly in the first half with that one that rattled the post. Uh, I thought Delph looked absolutely imperious in midfield for, for the majority of the game. Uh, so it was really good to see those new signings stepping up and you know proving that they are right to be at Everton. And... Yeah, it, it it was a bit, it was a bit nervy. It was a bit shaky at times, but like at the back, in uh, especially. But you know, all that mattered really was getting through to the next round by any means necessary, and we've done that. So time to put that to one side and move on to Wolves. And hopefully, squad has come through unscathed. It seems anyway. And um, Preno, what were your thoughts after nineteen twenty uh, or twenty one seconds? There was some debate over actually what the time was, but. What were your thoughts when that goal went in? Well, I just uh, my heart just sank. Yeah, I, I was watching it on telly, but the uh, the old journalistic, uh, you know, sort of traits jumped up immediately. Looked at the clock to see what the time was, and it was just on twenty two seconds. Uh, so when it had gone in, and it was a shock. Obviously, I mean, there wasn't a great deal Everton could have done differently. They could have switched on a little better down that flank. Michael Keane maybe could have attacked the ball. But, you know, it was one of those difficult uh, goals to defend. But I have to say, I was pretty confident straight after that. So much so that surrounded by my family who always whinge at me for being miserable and negative and <laughs> I would say realistic. <laughs> I, say, I say, no, Everton are going to win this comfortably. Trust me. Uh, in fact, I threw money on it. Uh, 8 to 11 they were at the time on Betfair. So I threw some money on it. And, you know, 
little bit nervous when the uh, that ridiculous Howard went in to make it two two, but no, generally I was I was quite impressed. Um, like Adam said, the uh, the attacking prowess was much much better than mm. it has been. Against the side that isn't a pushover, Lincoln, apart from making life difficult for Everton last season you know, in their promotion year, they had that you know, mad FA Cup run as well you know, the year before. Uh, that's a tough place to go. And I don't know what it was like inside the stadium, Adam, but the, the noise on the telly made the atmosphere sound bouncing. It, 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 well, it was yeah. bouncing, to be fair. Like, you could tell it was... You know, it's going to be one of their biggest yeah. biggest games of the year. They definitely fancied themselves. Well, yeah, it sounded like fans. it was you know a difficult place to go. It was noisy. Referee wasn't great, I have to say. Uh, you know, so a couple of obvious ones he didn't give in Everson's favour, like he was being influenced by the noise, and they were aggressive. You know, mm. so they were very very direct. You know, so in your face, a little bit overly aggressive at times. Mm. So to come through that, um, you know, successfully, I think was great. Yeah, there were a couple of issues. I mean, Sadibi looks like he's lacking a little bit of sharpness at the moment. Mason Holgate still worries me a little. Bit bit uh, you know he, he wasn't great again after this 20 minute cameo against Watford but generally it was decent uh, you know I thoroughly enjoyed it you know so lots and lots of chances created took a few of them for a change Richarlison having left you tearing your hair out most of the night finally buried a classic centre forward's header and you think maybe that could be lift off for his season so yeah all in all you know quite positive uh, and just just referencing what Preno was saying there Adam Marco used the phrase um, personality to describe what he felt he saw from his team afterwards, mm. didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he, he, look, we needed to see Evan give him a reaction. He wanted to see Evan bounce back after, you know, that disappointment at Aston Villa. And he said after the game, I started seeing that reaction on Saturday morning, let alone on a, on Wednesday evening. So he was really pleased with uh, the kind of tenacity and fight that Evan came out with uh, on Wednesday. You know, he's spoke in his pre-match press conference. He was like, we are taking this seriously. Whatever 11 I put out, we're going to take this competition seriously. We've got the ambition to go on and win it. So what did you, sorry to interrupt there. What did you make then when the team sheet dropped at quarter to seven? What, both of you, what did you think of that team? It wasn't too different to what you called, was it? Yeah, in the day? yeah, yeah. I, I was excited. Yeah. I was really excited, uh, not just to see the new signings, of course, but it looked like that team had a bit more freedom almost you know that and I think we did see it in the end you know especially going forward you know it, we saw the Wobie on the left Richarlison on the right Sigurdsson through the middle and you know Keane up front but they were so fluid and interchanging mm. throughout that match you'd see a Wobie pop up on the right flank you'd see Richarlison pop up through the centre on the left and I think that really that really hampered Lincoln's defence quite a lot because they, they just didn't know who they were meant to be picking up for a lot of the time and uh, yeah, you could see that as soon as the team sheet dropped. So yeah, I, th- I think Everton absolutely did take that game with the utmost seriousness. And uh, it was it was a pleasure to see, to be honest. And uh, Marco Silva has got a few issues to attend to now because, mm. you know, problems that were created for him, the kind of problems that he wants creating. Alex Iwobi's given him a big decision to make now. I mean, he was, of all the players that were introduced last night, for me, he, he was the standout performer. And given his cameo against Villa, you think that, yeah, you know, he's ready for a start now. Mm. But where does he start? Bernard, you know, was so, was so bright on the opening day, so he can't really, you know, so leave, leave Bernard's place. Sigurdsson is the man for me. He looks the most vulnerable. But Sigurdsson um, played really well yesterday. Well, he did, yeah, he did okay yeah. as well. So, you know, it, it's difficult. I mean, they're the kind of problems that he wants to have. Mm. Does that mean Richarlison, who's like clearly not playing, you know, so at his peak at the moment could be the one to make way? You wouldn't say so, given the threat that, you know, he generally offers, even when he's not playing well. But, you know, issues that, you know, the manager has to attend to. You'd imagine Moise Keane will start now. Mm. Uh, you know, so again, he looked he look bright. 
And, uh, you know, so Calvert-Lewin's had his, his opportunities. But I was pleased with the side when I saw him. I, I, was, I was quite excited. I was going to ask you about, both about Iwobi. There's, 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 like there's a lot of love for Iwobi at the minute. What do you think it is about the way he's played in these two last two games that, that has really very quickly um, won him a lot of... Um, admiration among, amongst the supporters I like his directness um, he's strong a little bit you know more powerful than we were expecting maybe I didn't know you know I've only seen fleeting bits of Arsenal games you know where you see this a very skillful player uh, that can carry the ball and go past players but I was surprised at how strong in possession he is and then how direct he is you know so he gets the ball and he tries to make things happen he runs at defences and he unloads shots nice and early as mm. well he was so unlucky with that one that just drifted past the far post yeah. as it drifted past pinged past the far post um, so yeah you know he does he gives defences things to think about mm. and um, that's what Everton you know lacked in those first two league games of the season so you know maybe now is the time to introduce him as what's your take on Iwobi I, I agree with Preno in terms of like directness he's got almost like this single-minded sort of personality about him. When he picks up the ball, like he was picking up the ball on the left flank yesterday and he was thinking, right, I'm going at this full-back and I'm either getting a dangerous cross into the box or I'm shooting. Mm. And there was not a lot that that full-back could do to stop him. I mean, again, I know it's a League One full-back, but you know, he did the same against Aston Villa when he came on. Uh, and I think that's really, really promising to see because, you know, we you know, we talked about it after that Villa game. We saw so many times that we'd pick up the ball on the edge of the box and we'd be twisting and turning with it, making unnecessary passes mm-hmm. around the box. Sometimes you just need somebody who's going to be picking that ball up and he's going to go, right, either I'm scoring or I'm creating a goal Doing here. something positive, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, we saw with the goal that he eventually scored, you know, he's just got that natural knack for getting in the right position at the right time you know he did it against Aston Villa as well and was unlucky that he shot at the post on that occasion but again he just found himself in the right position at the right time and I think it's a more difficult header than people are really making yeah, out he's got, to be, he's got to beat a couple of players yeah. to that ball really good header back from Cheng Tosin by the way thought he looked quite bright when he came off yeah. the bench which is promising to see but yeah I think that finish was a lot more difficult than maybe he's been given credit for and I completely agree with Preno he's definitely given Silver a decision to make and you know I think there'd be a lot of Everton fans who'd be disappointed if he wasn't starting against Wolves Is, is, is Wolby a little bit in the same boat um, or was he sorry in a little bit in the same boat as, as Fabian Delft that when his signing looked like it was on the cards admittedly everything went very very quickly in the sort of final final day of the window do you think there was a fair chunk of us who were underwhelmed by the prospect of that signing but now having seen him in the flesh and see what he could potentially bring for the long term, you will have changed a few perceptions. Yeah, quite possibly because, you know, you see a player that is not wanted by an Arsenal team that did okay last season, but, you know, you, a, a club that we are aspiring to be, you know, sort of on level terms with, you're thinking if he's not good enough for, for mm. them, you know, so why should Everson be thinking of bringing him in? And the transfer fee as well, you know, so was it 28 million, which is, you know, it, 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 it's sizable, but it's not... The kind of you know, so marquee signing, you know, so the big money you'd spend, and spent on the likes of a Richarlison or a Gilfie Sigurdsson, which makes means you automatically expect something quite special. Um, but no, those first few glances of him or glimpses of him make you think that now it's money very well spent, and you know he's a young player who is going to develop and going to get better. You know, under Silver's coaching, under you know, so tutelage of you know, so other coaches at the football club. Um, yeah, maybe it was a little bit underwhelming, but you know, very very quickly, you know, so brushed those thoughts away. Uh, he looks like a very very good signing already after only a handful of appearances. I think it's really good that he's got such a 
early connection with the fans as well. That's yeah. only going to breed so much more confidence in them. You know, when you're joining a new club, that's a time when you're going to need as much confidence as you can get. And I think the Everton fans have been really, really good with him since since he's come on board and he's been really good with them as well. Because it's funny, isn't it? You're like Moise Keane, we all expected absolute fireworks from him straight away because he came from Juventus, because he's 19, because he scored, whatever it was, you know, seven or eight goals in near 40 odd appearances and you just automatically expect better even though we probably knew more about Iwobi than we did about him and yes you know the expectation levels are so different you know so for each player Moise Keane's you know sort of settling down probably quicker than he should do as well you know again he looked great last night very very unfortunate with that effort and again a direct footballer mm. that you know sort of picks up the ball and his first thought really is to run at a defence and just see what opens up in front of him, which is good. That's what we need a bit more of. Um, you know, Villa was so frustrating watching so much of the play around the box. And there were even spells last night where there was a lot of very, very controlled possession around the edge of the Lincoln penalty area without anything too, you know, so sort of penetrating. And if anything, Everton's better chances came, you know, on the rare occasions they were catching Lincoln on the heels yeah. and able to, you know, sort of, you know, catch them on the counter, if you like, and push them. How much then of, of a... Look, of course, all within the caveat of it's been against a, a League One club. But how much of the improvements in attack, 21 shots, eight on target, loads of the ball, how much of Everton's improvement in that area last night was down to the inclusion of Fabian Delph, do you think, Adam? Uh, I, I don't think his influence can be underestimated in any way. Uh, for somebody who was playing his first you know, serious game for his new club, he he looked like he'd been wearing the Everton chair for about two years. Yeah. He he just knew where everybody on the pitch was. He used his experience so well to he wasn't he wasn't really the box to box sort of in in the box to box sort of role that I thought the he was going to be. Wouldn't necessarily allow for that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that Schneidlin would just be sitting back and Delph would be you know pushed forward a little bit more, but it wasn't the case. Like he was sitting alongside Schneidlin for a lot of the game, and he used that experience to just sit back find as much space as he could in midfield and some of his long range passing, especially in that first half, some of his cross field balls, you know, it was very, very clearly a common theme very early in the match, at least that, you know, Dean was sticking wide, Sidibe was sticking wide on the other side. And whenever they found even just five yards of space, Delph was pinging it out to them and finding them, you know, more times than not. And I think that's, you know, we we saw exactly why Marco Silva wanted to bring him into the midfield because, you know, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that Pep Guardiola kept playing him. He really likes him as a player. He's a experienced Premier League title winner. And I think he showed that off perfectly. I think the way he could bring that ball out from the defence and distribute it out to our attack, I think that was vital. Uh, Everson, because they rely so heavily on the fullbacks getting forward, I mean, a lot of Everson's creativity now comes down the flanks, uh, you know, from Coleman and from Lucas Dean especially. Uh, and so you need a central midfielder is going to be able to switch the play quickly. And obviously, you know, so Gomez can do that. But, you know, now there's somebody else, you know, so Fabian Delph, who can do that. I think he, he overdid there that diagonal pinged ball a couple of times, uh, you know, so drifted into tough Working one. too yeah. well there. Yeah, but, you know, so generally it was a good weapon. And uh, it, it's it's like metronomic sometimes. You just see, you know, play getting switched, you know, so so much. And it's going to be a very, very useful addition uh, to the Everton squ- I say squad you'd suspect he'll probably be starting a lot more games than he'll be sitting on the bench well, for. Well, when Adam was speaking initially, when he started talking about Delph and he, he talked about experience, you know, passing range, you know, it's come in and, and settled in straight away. I know we've made the comparison before because of the club that he came, he came from, but I'm just thinking of Gareth Barry. 
Yeah. Do you do you do you agree? Do you feel like we have maybe finally replaced the the loss in Gareth Barry with Delph? Are we getting are we getting a similar type of character? Uh, early days and. Um, <laughs> Barry, to me, was a little bit more understated almost, you know, so his, his passing was a little bit less flashy almost. I loved Gareth Barry as a footballer. I mean, so much of the work that he did went under the radar, you know, so a lot of his, you know, tracking back, closing down, closing space down. Um, but yeah, obvious comparisons have been made because they both came from Manchester City mm. and were both, you know, highly thought of at Manchester City as well. Um I just think that we're going to see him, you know, so assimilated into that first team setup very, very quickly. And another tick in the box of, you know, sort of transfer activity that's caught us a little bit by surprise and, you know, so it could turn out to be a really good purchase. Because again, that was another one where people thought, not everybody admittedly, but a lot of people thought, well, hang on, you know, he's, he's yeah. always injured, he's past his sell-by days. But, you know, no, if we can keep him fit, you know, so absolutely. And, and Adam, did you, something Marco had said to us last week, I think we, we put it out over the weekend, he said... You know, this Fabian's got qualities X, Y, and Z. Yes, he allows me to change formation and unlock four three three if and when. But he said left-footed, and we don't have many left-footers in the team. Mm. And he gives us balance. Did you? Did, was that noticeable last night from, from your point of view? You think that you know our midfield is playing with Schneidlin naturally right-footed, Delph naturally left, left-footed. Yeah, it, de- it definitely did give a different option. But I think what's What's really impressive to, to me about Delph is that he I'd, I'd call him two footed really. Tell, yeah. yeah, he he was he was playing he was playing a similar amount of long range passes with his right foot as with his left foot. I think you've got to be both footed yeah. for Pep, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I think it's in the contract. And I think that's maybe that's maybe not the case with our other midfielders in terms of their left foot. I think Gomez has got a really good left foot on him, but you know, I wouldn't be trusting Schneiderlin to be pinging fifty no. yard mm. passes on his left foot necessarily. So it was nice to see that sort of uh, balance that he introduced into the midfield, but you know, it's, it was even just like his tenacity. And I mean, I know Silver says he, you know, he's not the kind of profile that we have for that number six sort yeah, of role. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't know, like that sort of performance for me shows that he does have that sort, them sort of qualities. You know, he is he is tough in the tackle. He's got a lot of energy. You know, he, he had loads of energy considering he hadn't, hadn't played. He hadn't, yeah. he'd, he'd only played three minutes all month. So I, I'd, I'd really be intrigued to see him in that sort of number six role. Of course, the, 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 the asterisk on that is the jump from League One on a Wednesday night to Premier yeah. League, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. But I think he will, surely the midfield two will be Delphin Gomez on Sunday. Will he not play a three? That was going to be my next question. Can we see the three fit central midfielders taking Tom Davis out of the equation? The three mm. who were involved in the squad last night. Can we see them three? At whose expense, though? Well, Sigurdsson. Well, well, this is the this is the thing, isn't it? What's interesting is that Sigurdsson, when Silver changed formation last night and put the extra striker on Sigurdsson, dropped back right. next to a next to Schneidlin in sort of a four four two sort of role, mm. and he looked really comfortable right. uh, sitting sitting back and spraying passes. You know, it's mentioned quickly there that I thought so Sigurdsson was really really good. Uh, last night, I thought his set piece delivery, especially, was much improved than what we've been seeing over the last few weeks. So, it, it's nice to see that kind of performance from him. The confidence that he took that penalty with as well was well, really when nice. When to he see. stepped up, I wasn't at all confident given <laughs> oh, his record yeah. last season, but that was an absolute beauty. No, he's a very, very good footballer, Gilfie Sigurdsson. And because Gavin's not here, uh, we can basically <laughs> go on, you know, so why it would be silly to leave him out of the team given how much quality he brings. But I totally get that, you know, you do have to build the formation around him, you know, so given 
he's probably best in a number 10 yes. role. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, he can play better deeper. You know, he can play off the left as he unfortunately had to on some occasions, but he's best playing at number 10. But I just like him an awful lot as a footballer. You know, his work rate's great and his creativity is, is very, very special. And yeah, his set-piece delivery is excellent as well. When you've got him on set-pieces and Lucas Dean on set-pieces, you know, you suddenly become a real threat whenever you win a, a corner or a free kick. Well, I was I was uh, going to ask you about Luca Dean's free kick. Is that the of, of the three free kicks that he scored for Everton, one against Watford, one against Burnley, and then um, last night, is that the best of the lot? Yeah. By a country mile. Yeah. Oh, sensational. Funnily enough, I mean, Andy Hinchcliffe was doing the television uh, commentary last night. And I know Andy well from me time as Everton correspondent all those years ago. And so I, I just pinged him a, a cheeky text, you know, because he was talking up Lucas Dean's performance. Mm. And uh, I said, oh, clearly no left-back union going on there because he is that good. I says, free kick was even better than one. You scuffed at QPR. Uh, 1995, <laughs> I think it was. And it was a very, very important free kick. Everton won 3-2, a year when we were in serious relegation danger. Yeah. And it was a sublime free kick. Absolutely, you know, so curled it in from like 25 yards. Got dogs abuse from the QPR fans. And I still remember the celebration, running to them with his arms down, shrugging as if to say, do it every week. <laughs> uh, but it was absolutely classy. Anyway, Andy wasn't having it. He goes, no, mine was better. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, if you're listening, it wasn't. Uh, Lucas Deans was special. It was so far out. Mm. It was like, you know, it was it was ambitious to try a shot from that distance, but it was absolute postage stamp accuracy. It was, I don't know how fast it was measured at, but it was absolutely travelling. Uh, it was just an absolutely special free kick. Mm. He, he seems to like those sorts of free kicks though, doesn't he? Like Sam, Sam put in the blog yesterday when we won that free kick, he was like, oh, De- Sigurdsson stepping up to take this definitely favours the right footer Sigurdsson and it was the same with that Burnley one wasn't it like, yeah, just, remember left me, me and, just left the yeah, centre maybe remember yeah, me yeah. and you were at that Burnley game and we were both thinking oh Sigurdsson's yeah. taking this one and like Dean like almost caught the keeper by surprise by taking it and killing it round the other side of the wall yeah. and uh, I think that a similar thing happened again and if if memory says Watford was for a similar position wasn't it maybe yeah, yeah and Foster was definitely taken by surprise oh, yeah, by, yeah. Did, by Dean taking move. that one <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, that's like, I can't add any more than what Preno said there. It was an absolutely fantastic free kick. I think that's one of the best free kicks that I've I've seen, isn't it? Like, it's, since I've been following Everton, it's, to be it's honest. It's an early contender for goal of the season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, third game, yeah. it, it makes it even more remarkable. We, we, we've been looking at this again today that we waited so long for a free kick to be scored. You know, Dean's arrival and, and, and Dean's free kick against Watford 801 days we'd waited since right. Rom against Palace, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah. Um, in September 2016 for, for a free kick to be scored. And that is, it's, it's such an important part of a team's armoury nowadays because, you know, games are so tight, defences are so well organised. You've got to take opportunities, you know, that you can whenever you can and you think of like some, some of the best sides you know so over the last like 10-15 years and they've all generally had somebody that is you know sort of quite special you know sort of from 25 to you know, 20 yards free kick wise and you know most weekends you'll see one you know sort of bent in from somewhere uh, you know if you've got somebody capable of doing it and Everton have got a couple of players capable of doing it now I mean Lucas Dean is clearly in the driving seat you know so if it's if he fancies it he takes it because he's so good uh, but Sigurdsson you know so is pretty you know decent as well I know the one he had he put you know over the bar but you know on his day he can be decent so as well unfortunately on that, on his day hasn't actually been since he joined the football club because he hasn't scored one <laughs> is that right not scored from a free kick oh, but, but no but he, he's absolutely right yeah. because he, he, he came the proven track record yeah. of being a threat from, from free kicks and mm. it just hasn't happened for him. So mm. Generally now his most spectacular goals have come from open play, haven't they? Mm. Hydrick split from 50 odd yards yeah. and the one at Leicester, you know, from long range, United from long range. Yeah. But yeah, actually an open play. 
but it just it makes defences think because you know if like you say if you you've stood there and you thought Sigerson's going to take that free kick presumably a goalkeeper and a, a defensive yeah. wall will mm. also be in two minds as well mm. and then you know this left back pings in from nowhere and <laughs> yeah. absolutely you know, scores a screamer so it's great keeps defences on their toes and can't be underestimated how important that can be I bet Dean's loving it as well like coming from Barcelona where Messi I presume is just <laughs> that free reign of all yeah. the free kicks quite yeah. rightly as well because he just keeps pinging yeah. them in left right and centre Finally, Dean's got the chance to take some and he's, yeah. he's showing off what he can do. Yeah, Luca didn't take a free kick for two years. Because, <laughs> uh, you, you're getting nowhere near the ball, yeah. are you? Because yeah. you've got to be on the pitch to start with. Obviously, yeah, exactly, He's yeah. tussling with Jordi Alba for yeah. that. And then obviously, there's a free kick anywhere near the goal. <laughs> I think you're about ninth in the queue at Barcelona. <laughs> the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's talk uh, about his compatriot and on the opposite flank, uh, Dibriel, Dibriel Sidibi, uh, making his debut uh, last night. Uh, not wholly convincing. Um, mm. You're being very uh, diplomatic there, Philip. But early days, what, what were our thoughts about Sidibi's performance and and how long he it may take for him to be putting some sort of serious pressure on Coleman? I mean, I think we all know that, it, like, it, as you say, it wasn't the perfect performance. I think there were a few shaky moments. I think most of them came in the first half, to mm. be honest. Uh, I think he maybe switched off for that quick throw in that led to the uh, that led to the goal, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, and he had a few other moments after that. But I personally thought he grew into the game, especially in the second half. Thought he looked much more composed in the second half. He was starting to get forward that yeah. little bit more, offer offer himself down that flank to try and put in a few more crosses into the box and. You know, it's, it's we've said it before with loads of new signings. You know, it's never easy when you come into a new a new club in a new league as well. You know, it's even for somebody as experienced as he is. You know, he's won the league and you know he's part of the World Cup winning squad as well. Even for someone that experienced, it is going to take time for them to adapt and gel with their new teammates and to uh, life in English football as well. Um, and the way he grew into the game in the second half gives me more confidence yeah. that he will be able to do that because, you know, he very quickly put, you know, a couple of shaky moments behind him mm. and then put in a sol- more, much more solid performance. And, you know, for, for his first 20, 25 minutes in an Everton chairs, I think he can forgive a few shaky moments from anyone. So if, not the most convincing, as you say, but I don't think it should be worrying yeah. anyone at all. No, I think that the pace of English football can be a real culture shock to you know to a lot of players, and you know he's come in, he's not played any football yet. You know, you might have thought a cup tie at a lower you know league opposition, he wouldn't be knowing quite what to expect. And I think the pace of the game probably will have surprised him a little, certainly in the first twenty-two seconds it did. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, as you say, it was impressive that he did build on that and looked you know a little bit more robust in the second half. He, he got forward. Uh, quality delivery into the box wasn't great, to be honest. And mm. what Seamus Coleman does so well is penetrates down that right flank. You know, he gets into the penalty area, he gets to the touchline, and he wasn't doing that as effectively as Seamus Coleman does. But that, you know, he was bought as cover for Seamus Coleman, and presumably, you know, so as he gets more opportunities, you get more opportunities to show whether he can do that or not. Mm. Uh, but for the time being, it was okay. You know, he, he made a bad start. He got better as the game went on, but he gave Seamus Coleman a much needed ninety-minute breather. Do you mm. think is it your expectation that he will? You know, say, come Christmas time, be breathing down Seamus's neck. I know not, not on last night's evidence, no. But you know, we're talking a World Cup winner. We're talking a player that has got you know good pedigree. 
So, you know, hopefully that was a one-off. And, you know, what he shows on the training pitch will actually push Seamus Coleman because there were times last season when we all said we thought that Seamus Coleman did need mm, pressing. Yeah. You know, it was an area of the team that we thought needed strengthening. Uh, so a little bit of pressure won't do any harm. But, you know, for the time being, Seamus Coleman's in the driving seat and it's up to him to retain that position. Yeah. Um, uh, after last night's game, the draw for the third round of the League Cup was made. Uh, as another trip ad, um, Chef Wed, what's your thoughts on, on that as a, as a tie? <laughs> Closer than <laughs> yeah, it's, cl- it's, closer. it's closer than Lincoln, which is nice. Uh, <coughs> I always prefer home ties, to be honest. Uh, I, I just think you feel a little bit more comfortable when mm. you play inside to Goodison Park, especially if it's you know a, a championship side. Who you know, uh, let's 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 be frank, they're a good team. Yeah. They they are a very good team, and they are going to cause they are going to cause Everton quite a few problems. I would have liked to have had them in the comfort of our own stadium, yeah. but. You know, travelling to a famous old ground. Uh, if they can put in a similar attacking display as they did against Lincoln, then they should be fine. They just need to shore up those mistakes at the back because you know they they were they were quite prevalent still against Lincoln. So they need to need to try and iron them out before a trip to Sheffield Wednesday because Sheffield Wednesday will punish Everton a lot more than Lincoln did, and Lincoln still scored twice. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it's going to be a tough match, and I think Silva knows that as well. We asked him yeah. about the draw after the game yesterday, and he's, he's very aware that it's a tough match, and he just reiterated to us, our ambition is to go far in this tournament at the very least. So I think he's going to take it seriously again, and I think you know hopefully they show, the players show the same attitude as they did uh, against Lincoln because I think that attitude of you know really getting stuck in and battling for that victory was was definitely what was necessary and they'll need that again. Mm. No, I mean Hillsborough is a famous old stadium. I mean a League Cup final has been played there, yeah. in which Everton took part uh, many many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some you know some decent games there. Oh, go ahead, um, I'll put you on the spot. When was the last time we played Sheffield Wednesday? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> my word, that is a cracker there. Um, Put you out your misery. It's got a League Cup tie. Yes. In oh, 2003. Yeah. Oh, oh, seven. Oh. <laughs> so the year we got to the semi final with Chelsea. Right. That was oh, the wow. last time we played him. Beat him 3 0. Ah. So. Is that at Goodison? I think it was I think it was away, wasn't oh, it? That was at Hillsborough. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, wow. No, it is. It's, it's a tough old draw, but I mean, having said that, when the balls were coming out and. Um, I was watching it, you know, surrounded by quite a few blues and there, there were a couple of like cheers when Sheffield Wednesday came out because Arsenal was still in there. Yeah. And I think people were still concerned, wow, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. This. So, you know, it was almost like a little bit of a sigh of relief mm. that it was a non-Premier League team, but it's one of the toughest like non-Premier League teams yes. you could get. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere will be decent as well. You know, so it is a, you know, a very partisan support over there. But it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You know, so you, you've got to try and take these opportunities when they come. And it's reassuring to hear what you know, Marco Silva said afterwards, because you know, if he, he picks a team as strong again mm. uh, for, that, for may, that game. Maybe he may even go stronger. He may mm. even go the strongest available. Possibly, yeah. And then you'll hope that that will be enough to get the job done. Mm. Actually, I wanted to mention from last night as well, Jordan Pickford. You know, just when we thought <laughs> we'd like seen an end to, you know, saw that, you know, saw nonsense and a bit more focus. He races the length of the pitch to actually get somebody by the shirt. You know, and when he did that right in front of the referee, I'm thinking, oh, come on. You know, a, a more attentive referee could, it would have been a harsh red card, yeah. but could have shown a red card. Just wants to stand up for his teammates. He does, me, which yeah. I get that. And that's fine, but you've got to do it in a more sensible fashion. You know, like the the famous, you know, so the mid-80s team who were like so aggressive and so ruthless and so much, you know, looking after each other. 
but they didn't get many sends off. Mm. You know, Pat Van Den Haag once or twice uh, because, you know, they, they were great at posturing and getting in people's faces without actually throwing punches <laughs> or gripping people by the throat. And it was like, you know, Jordan, you know, you're big enough. Just, you know, make your point without gri- gri- gripping a hold of him. I mean, then again, Sigurdsson did get booked for what we found out after the game was the way he stood up. Oh, that was bizarre. Which is utterly bizarre. absolutely ridiculous. How can you get yeah. booked for yeah. being pushed the, the, in the, the back? The TV cameras caught him saying to the referee, what have I done? <laughs> it was just, it was, it was a weird one. I say he made a number of odd decisions last night, the, mm. uh, the match official, and that was certainly one of them. Uh, indeed. So uh, a positive night and uh, Everson through to the next round of the League Cup. Um, but all focus now turns to tough game and what I think many of us had, had considered would have been the first real test of, of the season. Obviously Villa put a spanner in that works, didn't they? Wolves are the visitors to Goodison on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff at Goodison. Um what are we expecting, Adam? This, it feels like a really difficult match, this. Yeah, yeah, I think... I, I, I still think this will be the, t- the toughest test so far. Uh, Wolves, you know, they've been focusing on the Europa League, I think it's fair to say. In and these, do play first, yeah. play well this evening, don't they? Yeah, I think they've been focusing on that in this in these early... The 3-2 up in, the, in yeah. this tie at the minute. 3-2 up, but still wide out. Still, still, still in wide. the balance, so... Yeah. Fingers crossed they'll have to play a full-strength side, so maybe they might be feeling a bit of fatigue. Fingers crossed Everton will have a few more players coming back in, you know, like Sir Coleman, uh, Yeri Mina yeah. come back in. Uh, and have those players, hopefully we'll see Moise Keane start, Iwobi start. They'll have an extra day of rest in them compared to those Wolves players. But I think what we've got to see is just, we've got to see that sort of freedom in attack. Don't think we can be scared to go and attack Wolves because you know at the end of the day we're the home team, mm. and you know we're, as as I keep saying, I know it's against lower league opposition, but you know when you're playing that with that sort of freedom and attack, you're going to cause any defence problems. And I think if we do start with the same from four, I think that's our best chance of really breaking down uh, that tough Wolves defence. They play five at the back, mm. so if they're going to be a hard defence to try and break down. But I think that would be Good probably on the counter the best as way, well, aren't Yeah, they? probably the best way to do it. I think we've just got to see much, much more solidity and, to be honest, concentration in defence. I think concentration's the key thing. People, you know, important people keep switching off in important moments in matches. You know, we saw it with Andre Gomez against Villa. We saw a couple of them do it against uh, Lincoln for that first for that first goal inside the first 20 seconds. So, Silver, Silver mentioned concentration after the Villa game and I think, you know, he's got to be trying to drill that into his players again mm-hmm. over the next few days because you know Wolves will punish these mistakes. Raul Jimenez is a fantastic player. Diogo Jota, fantastic player. Yeah. You know, we saw last season. You know, when they went to the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United, you know, they can cause any anyone problems on their own turf. You know, we saw it firsthand at Goodison Park with their with their win over us last season. So I think Everton have just got to try and be as defensively solid as possible while being as free in attack as possible, which I know just sounds, it's easy enough to say. That's why you're Premier League football, is Yeah, that's what needs to be done. Just score loads of goals and concede none. Well, yeah. there you go, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was quite heartened by the fact that Wolves did have a reaction after their trip to Italy. You know, they, they were held at home you know, by Burnley. Just got a point, uh, yeah. only, only a couple of days later. 
and you know it's a big deal for them. You know, so getting into the Europa League group stages, and they've got you know half a foot in there. You know, sort of three two up. It's not going to go to extra time. You know, unless something absolutely you know remarkable happens at Molyneux. But it's going to be a big night for them. There'll mm. be a great atmosphere. There'll be a lot of intensity there, and hopefully that'll work in Everton's favour. You know, you've got to take advantage of any you know slight tiredness, any slight fatigue that the opposition shows, and make a fast start. Uh, on Sunday, like I say, we've had the extra day to prepare. We've rested four or five, mm. you know, so key players. They'll all come back in again. Got to take advantage. But yeah, it's, it's almost like a, a top six shootout very early in the season because Wolves will be one of those teams aiming to get, you know, so six or seventh place again. And we need to take advantage. But you're right, though, Pran, in terms of teams took advantage of our hangovers at that oh, season, so. didn't they? So it's about time that we repaid that. Yeah, it's an unforgiving league. You know, you've got to, you know, sort of take chances, you know, where you get them. You know, I was going to say refereeing decisions, but that shouldn't be an issue anymore this season with VAR, but, you know, that remains <laughs> to be seen. Um, but, you know, you've got to take any slight percentage, you know, sort of in your favour that you can get. And the fact that Wolves uh, won't even have really thought about Everton yeah. until... Friday morning, you know, they only, they only have like uh, two days on the training ground to prepare for the game, and the first there'll be a recovery day. Yeah. You know, so uh, after the Torino match, so great to take advantage of that. You know, so sort of get set up accordingly and make a fast start to the game. Think, so, go on, I'd say, mate. I think Silver, in some ways, you know, we talked about his team selection being tough for the Lincoln game, and yeah. you know, we ultimately did get it right. But in getting it right, I think he's created another tough situation for yeah. himself in terms of team selection this weekend because. I think it's just as important to get this team right against Wolves because, you know, you don't want to be going on to the international break on the back of, you yeah. know, a disappointing maybe draw or even a defeat at home. Like, you, you you need to get this team selection absolutely right. And I think, you know, Bernard only just had what I thought was a really good game against Watford, but now his place is under threat because of a Wobie. You know, we've got Calvert-Lewin, Keane and Tosin all fighting for that striking position. You so know, what, do we do, what do we do up front? To, uh, what's the best way, do we think, to... Um penetrate a back fives with three centre-halves, two, two wing-backs. Is that playing a Calvert-Lewin as a focal point and getting him to try and turn defenders and, and run the channels and stretch them? Or is it a Moyes Keane who's going to run at plays with the ball and it's quicker? I, I think... Both? Keep, I, think, I think keeping the same front four that started against Lincoln is probably the best way to do it because I think having that kind of fluid almost perpetual motion mm. in, in terms of those from four is going to be the best way to do it. You need to try and drag because there's so many people in that who are going to be in that sort of central area, especially you've got to drag as many players out of position as possible. And to do that, you've got to have an energetic forwards and you've got to have forwards who are willing to run anywhere essentially and are comfortable in doing that. I think it will be in Richarlison, especially, you know, even if they start on the wings, they're going to drift inside a lot. You know, they're going to, they're going to have defenders following them in a lot. There's going to be gaps then created in behind. And I think that's got to be the best way to do it. What about in terms of, sorry, in terms of Wolves probably, and you would fully, un- fully understand if they were to do this, will just try and sit in and hit us on the counter. So that's five defenders, three midfielders in front of that, probably a forward dropping in as well. And that's where we came unstuck against Villa in many respects. Palace a little bit. We weren't able to un- unlock the... You pick the lock, so to speak. In which case, you need players that are going to run at defenders and sort of make things happen. I always try and like read into you know some managers' team selections sometimes and try and you know work out you know why they've done what they've done. And to me, the fact that Bernard wasn't involved yeah. at all makes me think that he is going to be involved on Agreed. Sunday. Yeah. He will come back in again. Yeah. But quite you know what that means then for Iwobi 
because uh, that mean the only place he could play is either across on the other side, you know, in Richarlison's place or, you know, in Gilfie Sigurdsson's mm. position. So I'm not so sure. The fact that Moise Keane stayed on the pitch for so long as well made me a little bit fearful that, you know, he's not going to be involved from the start on Sunday. Mm. I'd like to see him start. Uh, you know, I think Calvert-Lewin does some things well, but he doesn't open up defences. He doesn't create chances, whereas Keane does. It, it? Is the obviously long-term, of course, absolutely, Moise Keane is been brought to the club to start games. But do we feel that while he's still building up Premier League fitness, and I stress Premier League fitness, he is best served as an impact sub? Because if Calvert-Lewin has done as Calvert-Lewin does and worked tirelessly for, for 60, 65 minutes and, and tried to, you know, um, you know, soften up, if you like, Wolves, the Wolves centre-halves, is the last thing that you want as a Wolves defender at 60 minutes or whatever to see Moyes Keane come on, who you know has got one thing in his mind, and that is to run at you and th- make you work harder again? I think, I think I agree. And I think in an ideal scenario, that probably would be the best way to go about it. But mm. the problem is, if we're going to do that with Calvert-Lewin, then yeah. we either need him to be scoring goals or yeah. we need somebody else to be chipping in with the goals as well. And at the Premier, in the Premier League, at least this season, that hasn't been happening. No. So I think we've got to come up with a different sort of solution, whether that is keen start and whether that is some sort of other system yeah. with Calvert-Lewin starting to try and unlock a defence in a different way like you know we've been we've said this so many times about Calvert-Lewin it's all well and good that he does you know work these defenders but him getting dragged out of position and running them channels a little bit too often especially if Wolves are going to be playing three centre-backs you know they're going to be they're going to be overloaded in their in their box if Calvert-Lewin's running out wide then they've still got two men in the box there like he's not creating any sort of space I think we need somebody who's going to be in central in the middle occupying as many people as possible so mm. we can get at them down the flanks Jake Tosin played in the Goodison well played in both games started both games against Wolves last season mm. he look, he any consideration he on the open day, open and day against them mm. I, I seem to recall played on the assist for Gomez if I'm not mistaken at Goodison I mean I, I, admittedly I don't think the rest of his performance was particularly <laughs> good but no, just, you know, I just don't know I, you know I just want I don't want to be maybe remiss of us to completely rule him out of the conversation no, I, I, I agree he looked uh, physically a, a little little slimmer last night dare I say he looked like he has worked hard during the summer and mm-hmm. you know that was always the the one criticism against his game is that he wasn't as mobile as mm-hmm. uh, the other options you know in terms of pace and getting around the pitch he can finish certainly we oh, know yeah. that yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe you know he's worked hard at addressing that and if he gets his opportunity ahead of Calvert-Lewin maybe he can show that uh, but no, certainly not one to discount. I mean, we're nearly at the end of the year. Uh, you know, summer transfer window for European teams now, and there's no sign of him going anywhere just yet. Yeah. So you know, it looks like he is going to be here for the foreseeable, and therefore, yeah, you know, why not give him think, an opportunity? I think what he does have on his day as well is a really good awareness of where people are around him as well, and I think we saw that yesterday with his header back for Iwobi. You that know, it w- w- yeah. w- would have been yeah. easy for him to try and you know have a go at goal himself, yeah. but you know, he he had the calmness to look up and see where the Wobie was and lay it on for him instead. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't think we see it often enough from him and I don't think we see a lot of his good qualities often enough, but that is a really good quality. And, you know, if he can, if he can produce that more often, then, you know, again, in this game against Wolves, he could provide himself quite useful. Okay, just uh, just briefly then before we wrap up, just looking ahead uh, to next week, as Preno mentions, the, the, the major windows... In Europe, that remain open will shut on September the second. Um, four names um, that I think would probably be at the list of, of, of 
looking for clubs. Yannick Balassi, Cuco Martina, Kevin Morales and Umanias. Um, are we confident that the football club and or their representatives will be able to find new clubs for those four players before the windows shut? Far from confident, no, because they've been trying to find new clubs for them for a long time and not done it yet. Uh, the big issue, as we've spoken many, many times in here, are the, the very, very inflated salaries that all four of them enjoy at Goodison Park. And there's going to be, have to be a lot of stern negotiating with whichever clubs want them and how much of those wages they're going to be footing because Everton will almost certainly be footing a fair proportion of them when they do go on loan unless they can miraculously uh, manage to commandeer a permanent deal. Sale, yeah. Yeah, which easier said than done. Yeah, specifically um, at this late stage. Exactly, tough, yeah. yeah. I, I can't see it. I can just see more loan deals and it, it's difficult. It's not ideal. But, you know, it is what it is. We've got to live with it, unfortunately. All four of them are completely surplus to requirements, you know, so there's absolutely no place in, in the squad for them at all. Unlike Cheng Tosin, who we've just been talking about, yeah. four players that we could lose and not even, you know, sort of miss their contribution at all. So I'm not confident that we're going to uh, see mm-hmm. the end of them permanently, but, you know, hopefully loans for all four can be sorted out sooner rather than later. Add any 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 different take on that, or do you share uh, Prano's scepticism about <laughs> the remaining days? Yeah, I think I have to share Prano's scepticism in a lot of ways because, as he said, you know, Everton have been trying to offload these players, you know, not just this summer, but for you know, in some cases, years. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Umar, probably Morales as well. Mm. Like, it's just. It's a little bit depressing to just to just rem- remember that that they are just sapping a lot of this wage bill, aren't they? For nothing. Why I did we sign Umar? What was the thinking <laughs> going on there? I think the issue with, with three of those is the fact that they're out of contract in the summer, mm. next summer. So maybe clubs would go, well, why would we pay a fee now? Exactly. When we could hold out for. Happily take them on loan. Yeah, know. and then mm. and get them on a free next next summer. Yannick's got a couple of years left, hasn't he? It might have to be like a sort of deadline day thing. You know, you might you might see clubs become a little bit more desperate. Uh, you might see Everton just taking taking whatever they can for them at that stage, mm. just to just to try and shift them off because it. I, I don't think we can really start like continue this season with those four players still on still on the books. Like that would be, it's just not sustainable, really, is it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and given that this long-term project that Marcel particularly is heading up in terms of trying to slash the wage bill, there's been a lot of good work done, but it feels like it would almost be, um, you know, the chapter hasn't been quite finished, but by these four guys still being here, still yeah, after so, mu- so it's, much, it's unfortunate they're having to just you know inherit the legacy of you know mistakes made by the previous you know sort of transfer regime. And you know, it's it's a problem of Everton's making, not of those individuals currently there they're making. But you know, something they just have to live with. Unfortunately, it's a very very tough one to solve. I mean, Farhad Mashiri spoke about it you know months and months ago as being a priority, and it still hasn't been sorted out. And it probably won't. You know, I'd be very surprised if we see any of them getting a you know much of a transfer fee for any of them. Indeed. Uh, so, very, very last piece of business uh, before we wrap up today's Royal Blue um, customary predictions time. Adam, what's your prediction for Everton? Come on, you're Wolves? flying. You got Watford spot on. You went too far away last night. Oh, really? What, so, did, what did you say? I can't I was, I say three, 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 one. One. I was listening yeah. to the okay. pod bizarrely on the way in this morning. Bizarrely? <laughs> no, bizarrely because <laughs> the match had already taken place. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was listening to a preview show before, after I've the game. I've done that before, yeah, yeah. I, I was the only one who didn't predict a clean sheet. Sam went for 4 0. Yeah, right. Well, you'll probably claim a moral victory there. Yeah. 
Everton. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm predicting a clean sheet this time. Yeah. And I think uh, a few more, a few changes in attack and I think we'll, we'll, we'll break them down. Oh God, am I going to be inspired by the four goal drubbing of uh, Lincoln City and go for 3-1? Yes, I am. I'm oh. going to go for 3-1. <laughs> the culture um, turn and then... No, I mean, I was going to say 2-0 again, but you can't copy the same as what you've said. And, uh, you know, Wolves will be a little bit leg-weary. They'll be dogged for an hour mm. and then cracks will start to appear. Moise Keane will race on like this rampaging, you know, sort of cavalier of a centre-forward. Yeah, I like the sound and, of you know, this. Banging a couple of goals. So just, just going to write this down for the match report. Yeah, Everson will win 3-1. Gladys Street will be in ecstasy. It'll be, a, it'll be a great day. Wow, what a picture. Yeah, I, I agree, Victory. I think we will take advantage of Europa League weariness. Back at Goodison, you know, it's become a bit of a fortress again. Um, not sure we'll keep a clean sheet, though, but I think we'll win 2-1, so... Uh, but we'll take a victory, won't we, by uh, by hook or by crook? And uh, okay, you can stick with us again on well, tomorrow. Michael Silver, uh, Friday afternoon, will be delivering his pre-match press conference. So uh, keep with us for all of that. And then again, Sunday, two o'clock, Goodison Park. Uh, we will be there for the best news, analysis, and opinion from the game. So thank you, chaps, for your company, and thank you for listening. You have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.